praise the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords this morning. Let's stand up. Let's give him some praise. This, this, this morning he gave you breath to wake up. He gave you the strength to stand and to walk. He gave you the hands to lift and praise to him. He gave you a mouth and a voice to lift to him. He said, let everything that has breath praise ye the Lord. And that's what we're going to do this morning. These are not just words on a page or words on a screen. This is, this is glorifying him. And if, if you have another song, you sing another song to him. This is praise and magnifying the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Giving him glory, giving him what he's worthy of. So let's do that this morning. It doesn't matter what you feel like or what happened yesterday, what even happened this morning. He said, let everything that has breath praise him. If you've fallen short of his glory, and maybe you haven't been living the way you know you should be living, it said, let everything that has breath praise him. It didn't say those that are perfect. It didn't say those that was walking right with him. He said, let everything that has breath praise the king. So let's do that this morning. Amen. We waited for this day. We gathered in your name, calling out to you. Glory like a fire, awakening desire will burn our hearts with truth.
never gives up, He never runs out on me. Your love never fails, and never gives up, He never runs out on me. Your so glad that your love is not conditional to where our love, Father. I'm so glad, Father, that your love for us is not determined by what we do or who we are or what we've done. I thank you, Father, God, that your love is unconditional, that you're faithful, your mercies are new every morning.
glorify your holy name for you're worthy of all of our praise, all of our honor.
something that you detest because of the sin of our hearts. So, Lord, I pray that you wash us clean. That your blood, Lord Jesus, wash us clean, purifies.
whole life a fragrance every ounce here broken at your feet and every breath my offering my heart cries these lungs sing over you my worthy king of kings thank you jesus hallelujah jesus said in john chapter 4 Jesus, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and now has come when true worshipers worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth that's the kind of worship the father seeks those that worship in spirit and in truth hey this morning we're going to pray that god will birth new gifts and ministries that healing and deliverance will take place and that you know what that god will bring unity in church leadership are you ready to pray this morning are you ready to pray this morning God, we just come before you this morning, God, and we honor you. God, we thank you that you have met us here this morning. God, we recognize that your presence is palpable. God, we worship you and we honor you. Lord, we want to be those believers that worship in spirit and in truth. God, form us in truth. Form us in prayer. Form us in the teachings of Jesus. Form us in spirit and in truth, God, that we can be worshipers who worship in spirit and in truth. God, we pray right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, that you would birth gifts and ministries in our church. Lord, we ask that as we start a series on the Holy Spirit, God, we want to be a, a church that moves and is sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We want to be a church that sees the gifts active. We want to be a church that is active in ministry. Lord, we ask and we give you room to move. God, we want to give you room. As leaders in the church, we want to be sensitive. As leaders, we want, to, we want to give room for you, Holy Spirit, to have your way. We want to be honest and truthful with the gifts, Lord. We ask that you move in power in our service. Lord, that you would raise up leaders. You would raise up leaders of ministries. God, right now, call, right now, lay it on people's hearts to lead ministries, to start ministries, that we can be ascending church in Jesus' name. We can be a church that raises up leaders and sends out leaders. God, we pray that you would release healing and deliverance, Lord. There's individuals that have deep wounds. Lord, right now, your Holy Spirit would begin to heal those wounds. Right now, you would release release the healing power of the Holy Spirit to heal those wounds of hurts that happened many years ago that you would release wounds you would release the healing power to heal those wounds that you would deliver people from the snares of sin deliver people from the clutches of sin this morning right now people would walk out free in Jesus name Jesus, you're, you're, you said the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me to bring deliverance to the captives. I pray you bring deliverance this morning in Jesus' name. God, we pray for unity. 
unity, Lord. We pray for unity in the body of Christ. We pray for unity, God. We pray for unity, Lord, that you just help us to be one mind, one, one accord, one spirit in the body as we fall under the, the mission of Jesus to reach the world and to make disciples of all nations, God. Let us center ourselves around the mission of Jesus. Let us center ourselves around the, the mission and the movement of Jesus Christ that we can see people set free, that we can see people healed, that we can see people restored and brought into reconciliation with God. We can see people made whole by the power of Jesus Christ and signs, miracles, and wonders will follow. And we give you glory and we give you honor and we thank you for all that you've done and all that you're doing in our life, God. And we make ourselves available. We make ourselves available. We want to be a people to host your presence. We want to be a people to host your power in Jesus' mighty name. And if you agree with that this morning, why don't you give a resounding amen, amen. Glory to God. We thank you. Amen, amen. Hey, why don't you greet somebody as you find your seat this morning? Turn to somebody, give them a high five, tell them hello, welcome them to service. Well, good morning, Life Church. Good morning, everybody watching by live stream. We're glad you joined us this morning. And everybody who decided to be with us here in service, I want to welcome you. We're so glad you joined us. We're so glad that you're here with us this morning. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Josh. I'm one of the pastors here. And I'm so glad you, you decided to join us. If this is your first time after service, feel free to visit the Welcome Center. We've got a special gift for you, a free gift. Uh, we'd like to connect with you, you can fill out one of our connect cards so we can get to know you, help you find your place in our church and in God's kingdom. And also, hey, who love? everybody loves free things. So we got a free gift for you we want to bless you with, get to know you. Hey, I do have an announcement, a couple of announcements to remind you guys about. A couple weeks ago, Pastor Bob announced that we're going to be launching life groups in the fall. So we're getting ready for that. We're getting primed up. We will be having a life group interest meeting on July 17th. So that's going to be immediately following service. And guess what? We're going to have finger food. That's always great. Always great excuse to have food. So we're going to have, uh, we're going to have finger food. And uh, no fingers in the food. It's just going to be light snacks, you know. Well, come on. Hey, so it's going to be a life group interest meeting. And uh, some of our leaders will be there. We'll make ourselves available to answer any questions. People have been coming to me. Hey, so what's this going to look like? How's it going to work? And so we're going to answer those questions. We're going to give you the nuts and bolts, the mechanics of how it's going to work, when we're going to launch. That's going to be the first interest meeting. And we will have another interest meeting in August. And, um, and any time after service. I'm going to be in the lobby at the Welcome Center. Find me. I'll make myself available if you have questions. But I encourage you guys to, to attend this meeting after church because um, this is going to be huge for our church to provide community, provide discipleship, and, and provide a place, a safe place to grow in Jesus. And our, our goal and our mission with this 
is to put the, hand, put the ministry in the hands of the people. So individuals who step up and lead a group, and, and, and God's going to do great things as community is bred, as, as people step up and lead, and it's going to be awesome. So at the very least, it's a great opportunity to, um, to hear some more about it. It's going to be on July 17th. That's not next Sunday, but the following, and it's going to be immediately following service in the room off the foyer. Also, uh, Pastor Nick asked me to remind you guys, about Micaiah's call. Hey, that's coming up on July 22nd and 23rd. It's going to be an awesome two-day event for our youth. Um, and we do have an opportunity for you to serve at that event on the serve team and the prayer team. So you can visit the Welcome Center. You can find those sheets you can sign up there, and so that's going to be an awesome time. Last year was an awesome move of God. Uh, several youth got touched, and it was a powerful time. So uh, you'll want to be a part of that. It's going to be an awesome opportunity. And then this coming Sunday, not today, but next Sunday, that's so difficult for me, like in my mind, to communicate that and articulate that. Like not next Sunday, but this Sunday, but nevertheless. Nevertheless, we'll be doing... Coffee and community, coffee and fellowship. Hey, so bring a friend, tell them to come early. Uh, bring a friend. It's a great opportunity to come, have a cup of coffee, get to know somebody. Maybe you see faces in here across the auditorium. You say, man, I'd like to talk to that person. Hey, it's a great opportunity to get there early, meet somebody, find out somebody's story. You don't get to sit down and listen to somebody's story. And you know what? Coffee's a great thing too. It's a holy thing. <laughs> Hey, Proverbs 3.9 says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. We've got four opportunities for you to partner with the Lord in giving here at Life Church. We've got boxes on the back wall. We've got a text to give feature. We've got a giving feature on our website. And we've also got an app for you guys to be afforded every opportunity to partner with the Lord in giving. Hey, Pastor Tiger's coming right now. He's going to make his way to the platform, and he's going to give us an update on tween camp. And uh, he, spent, he spent three days, with, four days um, at the campground with a bunch of kids. So he's a lot more anointed than me. But go ahead. Yeah, Pastor Bob said it felt like five. Amen. Amen. Well, how many of you guys like testimonies? Amen. So, Pastor Josh, he reached out to me. He asked me to give a little briefing, and I was going over it in my heart, and I thank God that he speaks to me through dreams because he kind of saved my butt because I didn't, I didn't really know how to articulate uh, what I encountered while I was over there. It was so much. We've seen deliverances. We've seen uh, kids that went as unbelievers that left as believers. We've seen inner healing, all kind of stuff. Um, and we're going to get some testimonies. I'm going to have, real quick, Bella and uh, Taylor and Logan, y'all come up to the stage. But I'm going to tell y'all, the Lord gave me a dream last night. And I said, Lord, thank you for that. Because he, he gave me a good way to articulate to you guys what I saw uh, the Lord do during Tween's camp. So at, at camp, in reality, they, they, they divide the, the students up into different color-coded teams. So in my dream, there was two teams, and what they do is the ultimate goal for the team is to raise points so they can be the winner of the camp. Well, in my dream, I was, like, we offered one of the students or one of the groups of students a tremendous, like, it was like two million points or something uh, for them to do certain things. And so what they did, in order to get those points, they had to esteem 
others higher than themselves. So they went all night long. I wrestled with this dream. I was watching these students as they went further and further into the into the task. They were uh, helping students. They were doing things selflessly. And by the time they had finished what they were supposed to be doing, their heart was so changed by what they were being provoked to do when they were handed the points that that they had earned. They had given them away. They got them and their heart were like, they started doing it as like a, uh, as a discipline. But by the time it was said and done at the end of the dream, the, the students were so completely changed. But like the two million points that they had given, they gave it to the other team. And so that's what we saw God do at this, at this camp. He's, he's taking these students and where uh, they were interjecting principles and different things, godly stuff to just along the way, but their hearts are being transformed literally into the image of Christ. These students were becoming broken, uh, vulnerable. They were loving each other. I mean, it was just phenomenal but what, what God did. But we're going to let some of these uh, students give their firsthand experience. Hi, I'm Taylor, but one of my favorite things at camp was for sure the way that we would be in the middle of playing a game or something, and um, they would have just random people come up and just start ministering to us. So it's not that they just wanted us to have fun, but they also would minister to us as we were having fun, and that was one of my favorite things. But I also received boldness while I was at camp because I actually sang on stage in front of everyone. And then um, another thing is um, uh, I definitely liked the way um, Pastor Weston Weaver was the person who spoke while we were there. And he, um, he spoke about just accepting yourself for, for as you are and it really transformed me and made me understand how beautiful I am and not to let the world get in your head and just accept yourself as you are. Thank you, Miss Taylor. Bella Sue Morgan, this is my daughter, guys. Firecracker. All right, let's tell us what uh, you encountered at camp, Bella. Um, on the second day at camp, um, uh, when we were, when he, it was prayer time, the God just, Jesus kind of just told me that um, I was called to be a missionary, and that um, whenever I'm older, he wants to send me to Africa, and um, one of my favorite things was um, on the third day when we were leaving, we were playing gaga ball, and this man was dressed up as Jesus, and he was like, no, I'm not Jesus, I'm a disciple of him, though. And he kind of just told us about what, why he was dressed as Jesus, and it was a purpose to teach us that he wasn't Jesus. He was no disciple. Hi, my name is Logan. Um, one thing God gave to me is boldness to tell other people about Jesus and to go forth. And another thing is that to give up um, money to people in Africa and people all around the world and mini uh, ministries all over the place. Amen. So what you guys don't know is Logan here had, get that word I put, not he doesn't has, he had a fear of public speaking. So the fact that he came up here and he shared that is proof that God did that work in him. Bless you guys. So listen, camp. Every year, I know we get to fundraising and we have all this stuff, but camp is phenomenal. They're still up there. Pastor Trace is up there with a team. 
I mean, they're doing it. Uh, my niece, it's in the, she's in the crowd right now, Miss Ella. I mean, she had a, an encounter with Jesus that was so powerful. Uh, when she got back, she shared with me how she knew that she knew that she knew that God was in the, in the building, that he spoke to her for the first time. And God's doing this with all these students, so it looks like we have another. Come on, come on, another testimony. Just ad lived in here, so I'm gonna kind of make it quick. Um, but when he started talking about testimonies about camp, it just really hit me. Um, the last two to three weeks, uh, my daughter's getting ready to leave for camp tomorrow morning, and she woke up with like all these spots on her, and I thought it might have been chicken pox. I was like, oh my goodness, no, like not right before camp. Went to the doctor, he prescribed creams, antibiotics, like nothing was working, they just kept getting worse and worse. So then this was about, say, five, five, six days ago. As I'm putting the cream on each spot, I just started praying. And I started asking for healing, and I started rebuking the enemy's attack to try to stop her from going to camp. And um, she had 15 spots on her. When she woke up the next morning, there was six out of those 15 gone. So I did it again the next night. It took three days of praying over each spot, and uh, Friday morning when she woke up, everything is completely gone. There's not even a sign that there was anything on her body. So it just goes to show you how much of an anointing the Lord has on this camp and what he plans for these kids to experience. <laughs> Let's give these students a round of applause for sharing their testimony. Thank you, guys. So listen, when camp comes around next year, pray for the campers, pray for the staff, and, uh, you know, believe. We talked about expectation last week. Let's believe that God's going to do even more next year than he did this year, and he did a lot. So thank you, guys. Well, they had up there on the sign. Be here at 7.15 tomorrow. Those who are going to camp will be driving out at 8.30. I'll be pulling out. And... Uh, We'll be taking them up to camp and expecting an incredible week. Um, I just, you know, I've been praying for them that, uh, Lord, it's fourth of, it starts off on the 4th of July, Independence Day. Let this be a camp where kids are set free. And, um, and, and let the Holy Spirit be free to move and operate as he wants to. And so it, it's just been awesome. I, I love camps. I can't, God called me to ministry uh, years before, and I rebelled, and it was at camp that he got a hold of me. And uh, I have a picture in my office where I surrendered to the call of ministry to go get out of business and go back into ministry. It was a uh, kind of a curvy turn, you know, to get there, but God worked it, worked it out. And so I believe in camp, and um, I passed that on to my kids and. That's the reason my daughter's at camp right now, running kids' camps, and uh, because she believes in camp. So, anyway, we're going to start a um, a small s series here on the Holy Spirit. I don't want to say small, but I don't know how long it'll go. Um, but uh, I I've been feeling for several several weeks that that we we as as believers, and especially as those who professed to be spirit-filled um, believers need to get back to some of our basic roots 
uh, and, and that definitely deals with the person of the Holy Spirit, okay? And so let, let's just get started on this. This is just kind of the foundational uh, launch this week. Um, as a child, when I was attending church, um, I wasn't raised in a church that taught the Bible or anything like that, um, but uh, we recited as part of the liturgy uh, each week, we, we, we recited what was known as the Apostles' Creed. And, and, and following the minister, whoever that was, um, we would say, we would begin with these words right here. Now, some churches did it a little different, whatever, but it always began, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, the Lord who was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried, descended into hell, the third day was risen from the dead, ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost. And it goes on from there. But I wanted to stop on that one last statement there that says, I believe in the Holy Ghost. I remember going to catechism class as a, as a young boy and being taught about the Holy Ghost. Now, the only ghost I knew growing up was Casper. And so I had a hard time figuring out. And I remember asking the teachers, like, where is he? And he says, well, she, they would tell me he's, he's just kind of all around, you know. So in my mind, I had this, I, went, I remember going home as a little boy and telling my mom, we studied about the spooky Holy Ghost. And she said, what do you mean spooky? I said, because he's all around, but you can't see him, can't find him, you know. I mean, in my little brain, that's the only way I could comprehend it. Um, he was presented as a child, as a child, he was presented as a ghost. And to me, that's all I knew. He was invisible. He is, he is invisible. He is the member of the triune God. And if I were to go around this room, or if I were to go out and ask people who say they go to church, they're Christian by nature, whatever, and say, do you believe in the Holy Ghost? Or do you believe in the Holy Spirit? The large majority of them would say yes. But what if I asked you, what do you believe about the Holy Ghost? Or what do you believe about him? What would be your response? And, and I've done this before, and people stammer and go, well, he's God. But I said, but what do you believe about him? What is it that you know about him? And, and, and it's because we're taught very a lot about our Heavenly Father. We're taught a good deal about Jesus. But the person of Holy the Holy Spirit, we're not told a lot about. We don't hear a lot about it. Um, we have fellowship with our Heavenly Father. We know His Son, Jesus Christ. I believe that the church needs to learn who Holy Spirit really is. After all, he is a part of the triune God. He is part of the Trinity. And the Holy Spirit is probably the most overlooked person of the Godhead, if I can put it that way. He's more than a ghost, 
Um, he is, according to the, what we believe and what the scripture teaches, he is co-equal, co-eternal, co-existent with the Father and the Son. And his ministry is to convict and convert man as well as reveal the Son and the Father to the believer. So he, he has two distinct aspects. One is to convict and convert the unbeliever, okay? But then his job is once we convert and give our lives to Christ, then his job is to reveal Jesus and the Father to us. So, man, that's, that's a big portfolio of stuff right there, right? I mean, he really is. I know a lot of people who, who pray to the Holy Spirit to convict their lost loved ones that they wanted. But, but very few Christians have taken, their, taken the steps to come to know Holy Spirit in, in person in their own lives. He is vital in... In, in every intimate aspect of, of the believer's life, he is part of our personal conversion. He is part of our growth in Christ. He is a part of the ongoing building of God's kingdom on earth. And part of the misunderstanding and lack of appreciation of the Holy Spirit comes from the fact that his work is never to call attention to himself but to exalt Jesus Christ. In John chapter 16, beginning with verse 13, Jesus says this, speaking to his disciples. He says, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come, and he will glorify me. Notice that that his job is to reveal things to us, things to come, things that he hears the Father speaking of, but he says, but and to reveal and to glorify Jesus, but not to speak of his own. For It says, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. So there's a few things we really need to understand about the Holy Spirit. And, and, and I made this comment months and months ago, probably a year or more ago, but I'm, so I'm going to say it again just so it doesn't confuse anybody here. Um, in fact, it was probably more than a year ago I did. But um, Holy Spirit began to, to uh, deal with me by calling him by his name. And his name is Holy Spirit. And, but oftentimes, and I'm going to show you this and say, we refer to him in a way that makes him more of an object than a person. And so uh, we see through scripture, uh, even Jesus said, the Holy Spirit. But there's many times I've changed my vocabulary to where instead of saying the Holy Spirit, I just simply say Holy Spirit says. And um, because he is a person and he is not an object. 
okay? So if you hear me kind of switch back and forth a little bit, it's not to confuse you. I'm just trying to point that out. And the very first thing is, and, and this is why I'm pointing this out, is because I'm putting up here, the Holy Spirit is a person, okay? <clears throat> I started to start off by just saying Holy Spirit is a person. But uh, um, unless we understand that he is a person, we will not relate to him properly and we will have an, a deficient understanding of what it means to be led by him, okay? See, if you're a Jehovah's Witness, uh, in their Bible, if I can put it that way, the H in Holy Spirit is a small H and the S is a small S and it's not a person, it's an it, okay? He is, he is not a he, he is simply an active force. That is the way Jehovah's Witness believe, okay? It's also true in a lot of Jewish thinking that the Holy Spirit is not a person or personality. And when you talk to most Christians about Holy Spirit, they refer to the Holy Spirit as an object or an it or whatever. In fact, this is, this is astounding that a, a, a poll by Barna Research, which is a Christian organization, showed that 82%, 82% of American Christians, those who profess to be Christian, okay, that's all I'm going to say about that, do not believe that the Holy Spirit is a person, but simply a symbol of God's power. 82%. So you wonder why the American church is dead because they think of him as a symbol of God's power and yet we say we believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth and in his son and then say I believe in the Holy Ghost. But then we're 82% say well really he's just a symbol of God's power. No, he's a person. He's a part of the Trinity, the triune Godhead. And so I believe it has to do a lot of the times with the way many times we refer to him and his work. We say things, and, and it's not wrong, but we say things like the Holy Spirit was poured out. We say things like the Holy Spirit was leading me. The Holy Spirit was moving me. The Holy Spirit was uh, uh, pushing on me, if I could say it that way. We'll say the Holy Spirit is used synonymously with the power of God. We'll say things like the power of the Spirit of God is in this place. The Spirit of God. And, and again, so it, it kind of objectifies who he is rather than personifies who he really is. And God is not talking to us about being led by some abstract force, okay? He's not talking about being led by a force of righteousness or holiness or power. He's talking about being led by a person who is righteous, who is holy, and who is all-powerful. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, we're talking about a personality, not just an invisible entity who is floating around in space, okay? So Holy Spirit, I could cross the V out of that right now and just say Holy Spirit is a person, 
okay? The second thing is that Holy Spirit is wise and knowledgeable. Okay, he's wise and knowledgeable. Revelation 2 and 7 says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. In fact, in the book of Revelation, seven times we read, the Holy Spirit is speaking. We read, let him hear. The Spirit says, the Spirit says, the Spirit says, the Spirit says, seven times. He's speaking. The question is, are we listening? Again, have you ever been in a conversation where you're talking and you can tell the other person's not listening? How does that make you feel? How does that make you feel? Honest, come on. You know, I, I, I've told this before. I used to have an evangelist friend. He, could, he, he had a test. He'd be talking and he could, he, he could tell when somebody had zoned out on his conversation on the conversation with him. Like they wanted to be somewhere else, talk to somebody else or whatever. And he could do this without skipping a beat. I cannot do this. But he might be saying, you know, uh, they're saying that it's going to rain next tomorrow, okay? And in the middle of the sentence without missing a beat, he would add this phrase, do you believe wrestling, wrestling is real? Not wrestling, wrestling. So he would say, you know, they say tomorrow, they say that, do you believe wrestling's real? It's going to rain tomorrow? He could do that without missing a brief. I can't do it without stopping and thinking about it. And he could just do it. And, 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 and the first time he did it to me, I was like, what? And it, I, he said, I just was wondering if you were still listening to me. I said, yeah. He said, oh, I'm just checking you. And that's when he told me. And so I used to follow him around at meetings just to watch him do it. And it's amazing how many people would never catch it. And he would look at me and I'd look at him and I'd go, whoo, you know, like, son, it's time to move on. They're not even, they didn't even get it. I mean, you know, like one time I remember walking way off. We were across the convention hall and all of a sudden somebody goes, what? <laughs> they didn't catch it till like 20 seconds later, you know. And um, we just looked back and smiled. Uh, the Holy Spirit speaks. And, and the question is whether or not we're listening. In the Old Testament, the prophets spoke and said, thus says the Lord God. In the New Testament, it says, the Holy Spirit says. See, something changed between the Old Testament and New Testament in that God was revealed through law but on the day of Pentecost, the church was born and the spirit, Jesus said, I have to go away so that when I leave, the, the comforter, the spirit of God can come. And, and so it changed from thus saith the Lord to the Holy Spirit says. And it became very much more personal. The church, the Holy Spirit or Holy Spirit is the administrator over the whole church. That's why he's come, to lead and to guide and to teach and instruct. He's the administrator over the church. He's the one that's actively involved in the speaking. Jesus said this in John 16 and 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will speak 
only what he hears, he will tell what is yet to come. So look at that. He speaks, he tells, he reveals. That's what he does. Okay, so Holy Spirit is wise and has knowledge and revelation. The third thing about it is Holy Spirit is a counselor. Okay? John 14, verse 15 and 16 says this. If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Now, many people read that and think of that meaning like someone who counsels you or comforts you. But the, that word that's used there means a counselor like an attorney in a courtroom. In other words, <clears throat> he's defending your cause. He's there to instruct you. He's there to guide you. And he said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. <clears throat> so why did Jesus say another? Because Jesus is the one referred to elsewhere as a count, as counselor. He is a count, Isaiah talks about it. He's counselor, mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace, you know, all of those things. So he's saying, I have to leave. So I, when I leave, another one will come. When, when, when he comes, he will be with all of you wherever you are. The Holy Spirit does not have to portion his time out to individual us, like we take a time slot and I can get to you. He's in every one of our lives. He's there. He's actively working. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, it says, My little children, I am writing these things to you that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate. Counselor, lawyer, attorney. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And then John 14 says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor who will be with you forever. So verse 17 says, The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because he, has not, he it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Jesus was with them, and he said, but I've got to leave so that when I leave, he's going to come, and he's not only just going to be with you as I'm with you, he's going to be in you. That's what he's talking about. And so he is a counselor. He is that person who guides and directs. It's like uh, someone who's got to make a decision, and they go, I need to speak to my attorney about that. And, and get direction or guidance according to the law, okay? That's Holy Spirit is that way. When we have a decision to make, we go, I need to speak to my attorney. <laughs> and somebody look at you and like, huh? So I'm going to go pray. I need to, I need to hear from the, my counselor. I need to hear from him. He speaks to us if we'll take time to listen. The fourth thing is Holy Spirit is a teacher, Okay, he's a teacher. John 14, verse 25 and 26 says, All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I said to you. I claim that last line more than ever because I tend to forget more. 
I'm like, Lord, Holy Spirit, remind me. What was it I needed to do? I mean, remind me, okay? He says, he will remind you of the things that I have said. How many times have you found yourself talking and all of a sudden you're sharing Jesus with somebody and, you're, and all of a sudden you're quoting a verse or whatever and you're thinking, where did that come from? And, and as the Holy Spirit inside of you, the teacher, he's taught you and now he's bringing it to remembrance. He says he's going to teach you all things. But how many of you know that you can't be taught if you're not teachable? There's many a time, I remember one time I, I was getting ready to minister someplace and the Holy Spirit showed me a picture before I got up to preach. And those of you that have been around a while, you know me. God shows me things in pictures and dreams and things like that. And, and he has to draw it out for me because if he just told me, I'd probably miss it. But he draws a picture for me. And I got up, I remember I got up to preach and I looked out and the Holy Spirit showed me like a Tupperware container with the lid on and somebody pouring a pitcher of water and it just bouncing off the container. And I'm like, what is that? And God said, that's the heart of these people. He said, tell them if they don't take the lid off and they don't open up, I can't do anything for them. And I'm like, Lord, couldn't you told the pastor to tell them that, <laughs> you know, and, um, but, and, and so I've never forgot that. There's been many times I remember thinking, Holy Spirit, take the lid off my heart, take the cover off, take the restriction off, put into my life, take whatever you, you can, put it into my life. He can only teach me if I'm allow him to teach me. They're, they're, you know, it's, let's, let's be honest. There's just sometimes we all have preconceived notions or ideas about something or someone or whatever. And we go in and, and say, I ain't get nothing out of that. Maybe he had the lid on. And there's many times, like, I just say, God, I'm taking the lid off right now. And I'm open. And I want to hear from you. And, and I said, but give me wisdom and discernment. Remind me of what your, what your word says, that I, can, that I can judge everything that is said and everything that is done. But God, I don't want to go in there with a closed heart and a closed mind because you can't do anything with that. And Holy Spirit can teach you things. He can teach me things, but he can't do it if my mind's closed. You know, there's been a lot of churches over the years who have missed a move of God because they put a lid on how God had to move. You know, the Bible says about Jesus, if everything was recorded that he did, the world couldn't contain all the books. And we look at what he's done here and, and we go, well, he only did it this way one time, so that's the only way he's going to do it. But you can't put God in a box. But he will never violate the principles that are in this book. That's what we have to understand. So Holy Spirit is a teacher. He will remind you of things. And John 15, 26 says, When the counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. He's going to testify about Jesus. Holy Spirit teaches as he guides, as he helps, as he speaks, as he warns, as he convicts, 
as he confirms, as he reveals, he teaches through all those different ways. How many of you know that not one way is the right way to teach? You know, I'm a visual learner. I, I learn much quicker and retain much better if I can see it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Other people, they can just take it facts just the way it is and that's the way. But I'm telling you, I, Holy Spirit knows he has to approach us the way that we're made. We're uniquely made, uniquely different. And so he teaches us by guiding us. He teaches by helping us. Sometimes he teaches by warning us. And sometimes he teaches by disciplining us. And, 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 and that's how he teaches, okay? John 16, verse 12 through 14, Jesus says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes... He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. He will tell you what is yet to come. And then look at verse 14. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. In other words, he says, the way that the Holy Spirit brings glory to Jesus is, and is, is by taking what is his and, and then we are his and applying it into our lives and then making it known to us so that we can live it out and that brings glory to Jesus. It's not a knowledge-based thing. It, it's no good if what we have we don't use. So it's whether or not we're living it out. And, and this is why it's so important. He says, he will take... From what is mine, he will make what is known to you. He, he takes something and makes something. That is, that's his purpose, okay? That's what he's doing. And we must develop a relationship with Holy Spirit. It's intentional. If, listen, if, if you were going to have a relationship with someone, you cannot be afraid of them. You, you cannot be distant from them. You must spend time with them. Okay? The Apostle Paul, he prayed for the church in, second, in his second letter to Corinth, of the believers in Corinth, in verse 13 and 14. Uh, he said, chapter 13, verse 14, he says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Notice that. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of the Father, of Father God, basically is what he's saying, of, of the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. We must develop relationship with the Holy Spirit. We must develop relationship with him. Number five is Holy Spirit is here to work a purpose on the earth. He's here to work a purpose. And the key in that is that he is leading us to God and away from sin. You know, we don't become perfect overnight. We become perfect in our standing with God when we surrender our life to Jesus Christ. We become perfect in that regard. 
But when you wake up and look in the mirror the next morning, you're going to look the same. You're going to have some tendencies that are still there that, not, that are not reflective of who you are on the inside. But God sends the Holy Spirit into our lives to lead us to God. Notice he's not dragging us. He will not force you. He's not going to put your arm behind your back and say, come on, come on, get in line. He's not going to do that. I got drugged to church as a kid. But and God's never drugged me to the throne. He never, he never had to entice me. He'd say, you know, I remember as a teenager, my mom and them would say, if you'll go to church this morning, you'll get this. And I'm like, that ain't good enough. Give me something better. And then my dad would say, if you don't get out of that bed and get ready to go to church, I'm going to pummel you. And, well, that was enough. I should have taken the other prize, you know, because that was no prize. God, Holy Spirit is leading us to God, the Father, and to Jesus. And when he does so, he's turning us away from sin. Um, th that's why when we start to make a wrong move, there is an absence of peace. I'm telling you, Holy Spirit's going somewhere. And, and he's walking and working out the Father's purpose in our life. And if we, he's going a certain direction. And if we decide not to go that way, you know what's going to happen? All of a sudden, the peace of God that's supposed to be ruling or governing our hearts, as the Bible says, begins to dissipate. And it's not that God has left us, it's that we've gotten off on the wrong track. Um, years ago, my wife and I made a trip, uh, did a cruise with uh, my sister and brother-in-law in Georgia many, many years ago. Um, and I think it was the very first cruise we'd ever been on. And um, one of the places that we went to was in Jamaica. And uh, it was later that my wife and I led like 60 teenagers and a few youth pastors on a missions trip to Jamaica. And what was kind of cool about it, but the first time we went there, when, you, when, you're on, uh, when you're a tourist, they take you to all the touristy places, okay? If you've never been on one of those things, you, you don't know what I'm talking about, but most of you do. And so one of the, one of the highlights in Jamaica is in Ocho Rios. And one of those is Dunn River Falls. And if you've never been to Dunn River Falls, it's, it's just, it's, it's a very unique thing. In fact, I've, I've got a few pictures for you. Um, it's a thousand foot waterfall. And what you can't see, I didn't put a picture up here, is it actually empties into the ocean. So it comes down off of the land, across the beach, and empties out into the ocean. I've never seen any place like that before. You know, usually you see waterfalls and they go into rivers or whatever, but this one empties into the ocean. And so the very first time Amanda and I went there, um, you have the opportunity to climb this thousand foot waterfall. And about every 250 feet or so, there's an exit off to the side that if you get partway up and change your mind and that you don't want to finish, you can, you can exit and go up to the top and meet the rest of your group because most people were usually in a group. 
And uh, so Amanda and I and my sister and brother-in-law, we all decided to climb the, fa- the falls. Now, <clears throat> what I learned in going back there is that many people try and climb these falls by themselves. What you have to understand is that water's moving. It doesn't look like, but it's moving pretty good. And those rocks are very, very, very slick. Very hard to find your footing. And believe me, um, when you do, uh, you're probably going to come out the next day with bruised legs and shins and and twisted ankles and everything else. Um, And so you can go there and you'll see people going, I can figure this out, I can figure this out. And they start trying to go up themselves, but they're, they're falling down and they're screaming, ah! And, and, and as soon as they get to a place where they can get off, they're like, I'm out of here. This is not fun, okay? But um, you can hire a guide. And, and, and or the, you can get a guide. And the guide basically says, if you put your feet exactly where I put my foot, walking up this thing, you can make this climb. And so... We did. We decided to do that. In fact, our guide, all of us had cameras. We didn't have phones with cameras and stuff. Everybody had cameras, right? This guy had like 25 cameras around his neck. And he's going to climb the waterfall. I'm thinking, dude, you're going to be buying everybody a new camera. No, he knew exactly where where to walk, going up, crisscrossing back and forth across this waterfall. And, and what, I, what I would tell you is that he promised that if we would step exactly where he stepped, we could make it to the top of the waterfall. And so what did we do? We watched intensely. Like, where did you put his foot? You know, so the, the thing is, everybody had to put their feet exactly where the person in front of them. But it started with the guide. And so he led us up the falls all the way to the top. And, and it was great because as we're going up the falls, um, you'd see people exiting going, I can't do this, I can't do this. They'd quit and they'd go up to the top, but we made it all the way to the top. And, and, and it was great because what was funny in a, in a way was you get to the top and all the people who made it were like, yeah, kind of like Rocky, you know, and, and like, yeah, man, I did it. And their friends who had quit would meet them and say, wasn't that incredible? What are you talking about? You quit. <laughs> you, you bailed, man. Yeah, but the part I did, oh, you don't know nothing, man. You, you quit at 250 feet, you know, or you quit at 500. It's not the same. And so when we went back years later, we took a day where we took all of our young people off from our mission trip over to Ocho Rios. And one of the things I told them was, I'm going to take you up the waterfall. Except we're not taking a guide. I said, I've done done this. (laughs) I know know where to step. We did. But you know what? I had young people and youth pastors who said, we can figure this out. And they flopped like fish. Out of water, man. Bang, bang. Oh, oh, oh. And they were like, oh, Pastor Bob. Oh, you over there. You do your own thing. We over here doing walking. Well, we know that we can walk. And we made it to the top. My whole point in saying that, it's the same way Holy Spirit is walking out our lives. He knows the purposes of God for your life. In, 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 in the steps for your life 
is not the same as the steps for your life or your life or your life or my life. He knows the purposes of God. He knows where we should be. He knows what we should be doing. He knows which direction we should be going. He moves on us to pray at specific times. He's ready to enlighten the word to us. Our responsibility is to keep in step with him, not tell him where to go, when to do, and how to do it. Romans 8, 14 says, because those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. We have to learn how to listen and how to follow and trust. Number six, Holy Spirit is sensitive. Not touchy kind of sensitive, like people can be. You know, you can just say something and they just get offended. Boy, aren't you touchy? I am not. Right, okay. Good, I'm glad. But he's sensitive because he is the spirit of truth. God the Father is called the Holy One of Israel by the prophets. The scripture recognizes Jesus as the Holy One of God. But neither the Father nor Jesus are given the title holy as part of their name. Now, they're holy, but his, his name is not Holy Jesus. His, his name is not Holy Father. If we said it, that would be an attribute of who he is. But Holy Spirit is his part of his name. That is his name. That, I mean, that's who he is. The Spirit of God is given that distinct title of Holy Spirit. That's why in Ephesians 4 and 30 it says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The word grieve means to distress or to be sad, cause grief, be in heaviness, sorrowful, or to make sorry. In other words, if holy is a part of his name, he must be holy. And you and I can grieve Holy Spirit when we no longer listen to his voice, you can pollute your life so that you're not sensitive to his holy leadings. I'm telling you, he works in our life if we'll let him. In 1 Thessalonians 5.19 it says, Do not quench the spirit. The word quench means extinguish or put out just picture a fire extinguisher and a burning blaze and you go put the fire out it's putting out the fire and and um he he says do not put out the spirit's fire and we have to be careful that we we host holy spirit and when he comes, because we're told that when we gather together, Christ is here, the Spirit of God is here, and we want to host, we don't want to grieve him. 
But at the same time, we want to follow him. And we want to hear what he says. I mean, last Sunday, I was prepared to teach and preach this message. But last Sunday, Holy Spirit said, that's not where we're going. So we went a different direction. We have to learn to hear him. Uh, I was just told right before I came up to preach, um, and a lot of you may know or may not know, but on Wednesday morning, I come over early. It's my middle of the week, and I come over early. I get up, make my coffee, and I come over about 4.45 in the morning till about 6 o'clock. And almost without fail, if, unless his job takes him out of town, Brother Farley meets me here. No, he's walking and praying, and I'm over here praying, and we're just seeking the Lord. And, but it's just a time of just coming and taking time and setting aside time to be with the Lord. Well, and I'm not trying to point that, that part out, but it just happened that this past Wednesday afterwards, now sometimes, man, God's just moving on me, and I'm up here, and, and 6 o'clock comes, and Brother Farley's got to go to work, and, you know, and, he's, and he slips out, and I may be here before I realize it's 7 o'clock or whatever. But uh, many times we're finishing about the same time, and he's got his little bottle of water, and I got the rest of my coffee. I'm finishing the last thing. It keeps it nice and hot, and I make a super big glass and cup, and, and so I get my coffee, and I finish it up, and we'll talk for a few minutes. And Wednesday morning, I turned to him, and I said, strange thing happened at 2.12 this morning. I woke up thinking it was time to go to the church and pray, but I looked at the clock, and it was 2.12, but Holy Spirit woke me up and said, pray for Farley, and Florida. I said, Farley and Florida. Lord, any hint about Farley and Florida? He said, pray for him. Well, I, I know some things that have happened on his job. He's got some added responsibilities and expanded territory that includes part of Florida. And, and so I said, uh, okay. So I just began to pray in the Holy Ghost. I'm thinking, Lord, couldn't you wait till 4.30? You want to get up and make coffee and go to the church? Woke me up at 2.12. So I just prayed for him. And prayed in the Holy Ghost. Prayed as he led me to pray. And somewhere along the way, I fell back to sleep. And all of a sudden, my phone went off. It's 4.30. I got up, went and made coffee. So I told him, I said, I don't want the Holy Spirit was up. But he said, at 2.12, woke me up and said, pray for you and Florida. I said, is everything okay? He said, yeah. Well, he told me right before coming up here. He said, at 9 o'clock Wednesday morning, after I had told him that a few minutes after 6, at 9 o'clock, he got notice that ASAP, he needed to be in Florida at one of the places down there. And he, he said, he said, you just told me that less than three hours before. He said, there it is. He said, I've got to go down there next week. And I said, well, then God must be in it because he woke me up at 212 to tell me to pray for you. I mean, and I'm only saying that because I'm trying to say that he will tell us things to come. He'll lead us and direct us and we could grieve him. What if, what if he had said to me, 
pray for Farley in Florida. And I said, I will when I get up. How many of you think he might have been grieved? He woke me up for a reason at that time. He said, well, what was it? I don't know. I still don't know. But I just know what he said to do. And then God proved it out afterwards. I'm just saying, we cannot grieve the Spirit of God. We cannot say, Lord, I'll be glad to do that on my time. When I, when I get a moment. When, when, when the Holy Spirit says, move, you got to move. In Acts 16, it says that Paul wanted to go into a place called Bithynia, but the Spirit of God forbid him to go. He wanted to go into a place called Phrygia, and the Spirit of God forbid him to go. And it names uh, three or four places where he, he wanted to go. He was, he was an evangelist. He wanted to take the gospel message, but the Holy Spirit said no. And then he has a dream, and a man in Macedonia says, come over here. And so he gets on a ship and he heads for Macedonia. And if you, if you take a map of Paul's travels and then overlap it with the spread of Christianity, you will see that it was from that trip going to Macedonia from there that Christianity spread up through Europe and over into Europe. And from that came Though our forefathers who came to a new land looking for a place where they would be able to worship their God without tyranny upon their lives. Now, if you don't think that's important, understand something. Go back and look at it, and you will see that Christianity spread that way and over to the United States, which in the past has been probably the, one of the most powerful missionary arms of spreading the gospel across the world. But, but what didn't happen is if he had gone the other way, you know what was the other way? Asia, where Russia is. How history may have been changed if he had gone the way he wanted to go instead of being led by the Holy Spirit. I'm just telling you, we cannot quench the Holy Spirit. And the last thing is the Holy Spirit is not going to force his way on us. Holy Spirit's not going to do that. In John chapter 3 and verse 8, it says, Just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it will go next, so it is with the Spirit. We cannot grieve Holy Spirit because He is holy. He is holy. Have you ever been behind a car or a vehicle of some kind that's just belching out smoke and foul pollution just fills your car? Anybody? And you're like, you know, I mean, the, pollu the can I tell you, the pollution of the spiritual things is more real than that. And people want to be led by Holy, the Spirit of God, but at the same time, they want to play habitually with games of sin. They can't do it. You can't ask a holy God to come and live within you and in the same breath say, this is my body, my life, and I'll do with it as I please and pollute it any way you want to. 
just isn't going to happen. People say, I just don't understand why it's so hard to come in the presence of God. It's, it's not about coming into the presence of God. It's about living in the presence of God. If you're having to come into, it means you're spending more time out of. And hear, hear what I'm saying. None of us are perfect. I'm just saying, just none of us are perfect. But you can't ask the Holy of God to come and live within you and in the same breath say, I'll do what I want when I want. I had a man one time tell me that. He said, he said I just know I'm going to sin, so I just go ahead and sin, and I ask God to forgive me every night. I said, and if you die tonight, you'll bust hell wide open. He is so angry with me. A church man. He said, God forgives me. I said, no, he hasn't because you've not repented. You've just decided you're going to do certain things and so you keep doing them and asking God to forgive you. There's a difference between slipping and making it and, 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 and sinning against God but deliberately sinning against God and your attitude is I'll sin and at the end of the night I'll say bless me and forgive me. Tomorrow I'm going to do it again. I said, no, the Bible says confess your sins and he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us. And the word cleanse means purge us of all unrighteousness. And if our idea is that I can, I, I, I can remain unholy and expect a holy God, what would happen in the church if we listen to Holy Spirit and live by the means and directions and leading of Holy Spirit and we came corporately together when we walked through the door there'd be like an explosion of the presence and power of God instead of having to pump and prime and try and get people into the presence who do we think God is that we can just do what we want and say, now come fill me. He said, I won't live in that stinky house. No. No. Do we really believe that he doesn't see or worse, doesn't care? Peter wrote in his later letters to the believers, he said in 2 Peter 2 and 20, if they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and are again entangled in it and overcome, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. When I was a young teenager and came to Christ, I, like I said, I wasn't raised in the faith. Not this, I mean, I was told about Jesus and everything, but it was rules and regulations and all that kind of stuff. It was very legalistic, okay? But I didn't... I, 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 when Jesus came into my life, I didn't even know what it was that he had done, but I knew that he had come. And so uh, when I was a teenager living in California, um, I gave my life to Christ. And my, my, we had a thing on Friday nights, Saturday nights. We, uh, a bunch of us would get together and we'd go ride around. And, and we would, they would get, <laughs> it was crazy. I mean, we, we, would, we would steal liquor from our parents or 
or get someone to buy it for us and we'd hide it in certain places in town and we knew where it was and then we'd go right around and find it and drink and all that kind of stuff and I remember the first the very first time they called me up and they said hey Bob we're coming to pick you up meet you around the corner told my mom where I was going wasn't going there but I told her I was going and immediately it was already being convicted I didn't even know about conviction or anything like that and and uh, but I just knew that God had delivered me that the day Jesus came into my life and, and profanity stopped, pornography stopped, alcohol stopped, drugs stopped. I mean, all that stuff stopped immediately overnight. And so, but I still had my friends and so they picked me up and, and we had all these bottles we went and picked up. And I said, guys, I don't know how to explain this to you because I don't even understand it. Um, I'm, I can't drink any of this. So we drove around all night and I held their bottles. And when I got home, Brother James, I, got, I was so convicted by God. I don't even know that's what it was. I just knew something wasn't right on the inside of me. And, and, um, and, and I asked God, I said, God, I think I've done something wrong. Please forgive me. And so the next week, they called me up, and, and uh, they said, hey, come right around and hold our bottles for us. And I said, no, I can't even do that with you anymore. And they said, why? So I told them. And they said, that's crazy. I said, might be. But I'm telling you, what I've experienced in the last two weeks of my life, I take over what I've had my whole life. And, and I go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 and 17, 19. It says, so I say, live by the Spirit, and you'll not gratify the desires of what that is, which is contrary of the Spirit, the sinful nature, which is contrary of the Spirit. And the Spirit... What is contrary to the sinful, they are in conflict with each other. You see that? They're in conflict. And that's why you can't live unholy and expect to host a holy, the Holy Spirit in your life. You can't willingly choose to go that way. I'm just telling you. Look, God deals with us where we are. Thank goodness for that. Thank goodness for his mercy and thank goodness for his grace. But he didn't come into our lives to live in a stinky, dirty house. He came to throw out the trash, burn everything that doesn't belong, and rearrange the furniture to host the presence of God. And then he goes on and says in verse 19, uh, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy and drunkenness and orgy and the like. He says, I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And when I found that that next week, I went, Wow! My little young Christian mind understood that, that if I live this way, I will not inherit the kingdom of God. That meant there had to be a ch choice. And so I had to choose. I could either live like the world or be led by Holy Spirit. 
And you might be thinking, well, there's no hope for me. I've tried living right. I've tried living better. I keep messing up. And I would tell you that you've been trying to do it without Holy Spirit. See, when I came to Christ, he instantly delivered me of those things in my life. But one of the things that I had a hard time getting over was smoking. And, 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 and look, where I lived in California at that time, if you're a juvenile and you were caught with a pack of cigarettes or cigarettes on you, first offense, three nights in juvenile hall. Second offense, one week in juvenile hall just for having cigarettes on you. I'm not talking about marijuana. I'm talking about just plain old tobacco cigarettes. And so I'd quit and then I'd fall. And I'd quit and I'd fall. And I'd quit and I'd fall. And I'd quit and I'd fall. And I remember one night um, in Modesto, California, uh, a friend of mine, his parents were dentists, orthodontists, and, and um, they were drunks. And so we could guarantee every night by 7, 38 o'clock they'd pass out drunk. I owned a 50-foot houseboat, but I led my friend Dave to the Lord. Uh, and that was one, their, their son, one of their sons. And so Dave and I went up to sleep on the houseboat, and we knew that his parents were going to fall asleep. But we weren't going to do any of the stuff we used to do because we were we'd given our lives to Jesus. And, but I remember we were sitting there in Modesto, on this houseboat, and my friend said, Dave said, let's go get some cigarettes. And I'm like, oh, man, here we go again. And I, I just promised God I quit, and I'd gone a few weeks without it, you know. And, and uh, he says, let's go get So we walk up to the store, and we each buy two packs of Marlboro cigarettes. And we come back, and I remember standing on the side of the boat. It's beautiful night on the river and everything, and, and, and lit a cigarette and took a puff, and my head almost exploded. I mean, I had such a headache. Oh, I was like, oh, Jesus. And I said, Lord, I've tried quitting. I've tried quitting. I've tried quitting. And this teenage boy heard Holy Spirit for the first time said, but you've never asked me to take it away. You've never asked me for help. I heard him. You said, what do you sound like? Just like, I mean, I heard him. He said, was it in your ears? No, but here, I mean, I heard it. Just as if you're hearing me now. And I dropped that cigarette in the river. And my buddy was puffing away. And I said, Holy Spirit, what do I do? He said, dump them all in the river right now. And you're going to laugh. Because my little brain said, Lord, they were 45 cents a pack. They were. Had a lot of money back then. Uh, and uh, so I opened up one pack and I dumped them all out. I didn't, I didn't throw the pack in. I just dumped them out. And my friend Dave looks at me and goes, what are you doing? I said, God just spoke. He's looking around. He said, you got something on you besides them cigarettes we just bought? I said, yeah. He said, what? I said, God. He said, what? I said, God. He said, 
Whoa, what are you talking about? So I opened the next pack. He said, give them to me. And he went to grab them. And I said, no! God said, dump them out! <laughs> I mean, I violently shook everyone out. And they said, and I crumpled it and threw it in the river. And he, and he, he, in the Stockton River, and he looks at me, he says, that's stupid. You could have given them to me. I said, no, because I want to be free. And God said, get rid of them. He said, dude, you are on a trip. And he walked away from me. And I stood there, brother Josh, on the back of that houseboat with the flag, just kind of, you know, in the night breeze. And I was free. I was free. Later that night, we went to bed. And he said, okay, I got to ask you. What did you really mean when you said God spoke to you? I said, dude, he spoke. He said, he really does that? I said, I'm figuring this out. Yeah, he, he did. And he said, how do I hear? I said, I don't know. I'm just learning, man. I'm just learning. He said, what do you think I ought to do with these cigarettes? I said, I think you know what you ought to do with them. So we went, made another trip to the back of the boat, and he dumped them all out. He said, this is killing me. I said, yeah. I said, but man, I said, set you free. And he dumped them out. And, and that night, we, then we just stood there, and we were like, we didn't know anything about praising God or anything back in those days. Nothing. But we were like, Jesus, you are awesome, Jesus. You are awesome. So awesome. And from now on, from that, that point on, we just started studying the Bible. And then I got baptized in the Holy Spirit and led him into the baptism of the Holy Spirit and started leading my other classmates into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because, man, I'm telling you, if you've not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, if in a couple of weeks you haven't received, it's because you don't want to. Because I'm telling you, you don't want to live without the baptism in the Holy Spirit. See, Holy Spirit is working for you. He's on your side. Jesus left Holy Spirit so that he could come to earth for you. And because he's encouraging you and he's living inside of us, he's saying, come on, take my hand. Together we're going to make it. But that has to be our attitude. It has to be our attitude that, that we want Holy Spirit more than anything else that the world could offer. And we want Holy Spirit more than just having church. Come on now. You can have church without Holy Spirit. How do I know? Because I've been in a lot of them where he's not there. And the sad thing is they don't even know it. I'm not being critical. I'm just telling the truth. How many of you this morning want Holy Spirit to really forge a relationship in your life? And if that's you, I'm going to ask you to just stand to your feet. If you're able to stand, if not, you can stay seated. That's fine. Just lift your hand up. But if, why don't you stand to your feet?
right now and say, I want, I want Holy Spirit to forge a relationship. I want to forge a relationship with Holy Spirit in my life. In my life. Need to be obedient, Holy Spirit, right now, Brother James. Holy Spirit spoke to me during the week, and I saw you this morning looking out the the glass doors while you're by the front door opening doors for people. And Holy Spirit said, "Tell him he's in a dry place, a desert place." He said, "But because it's there, that he's going to put down roots even deeper." and tap into another level of my presence in his life. I don't know why. I don't know what's going on. I don't, we haven't talked. But I know what he was saying. I saw like an arid piece of ground all around you. And you're standing in the middle of it. And said, tell him it's not because of anything that he's done. He said, I have him there for a purpose right now. And he said, let him dig deep. And with joy shall he draw waters from the wells of salvation with joy with joy with joy you'll draw water from the wells of salvation i see it brother <laughs> That's it. Right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Glory to God. Glory. Mama Masikiti Atarabasanda la Kataya. Oh, yeah. He <laughs> said, Well, why would Holy Spirit show you that? Because he needed to know. So what do you know? Nothing. I haven't talked to him. But I see what's happening right now. Holy Ghost is all over him. Ministering to him. Deep as only he can do. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, we want, we want to forge a relationship of intimacy with you. A holy, a holy relationship. Not one that's polluted. God, we're not interested in dating. We're interested in everything that we are and all that we are being Surrender to you, Lord God. Come on. Come on, church. Tell them. Tell them right now where you are. Tell them. God, what, what is it that you're willing to put in the altar? What is it that you're willing? What is it that you say, God, I, I want to forge a relationship with Holy Spirit that's so real and tangible 
God, I'll put this on the altar. I'll give up this. I'll do this. I'll, whatever it is. Jesus. Holy Spirit. John the Baptist prophesied that when you come, you would come and take out the trash. You would come and remove everything that doesn't belong. And we open the doors of our life and our heart and our mind and everything about us. And we say, come in, take out the trash, clean the house, rearrange the furniture, rearrange the times of our life, rearrange the priorities, change whatever you have to do. Holy Spirit, this is the hour. This is the day. Do not pass me by. In the old days, we'd sing a chorus and it would say, do not pass me by. Holy Spirit, right now, there's things in your life, God's saying, you've got to get it. You've got to put it on the altar. You've got to do it right now. It's time, I, if I could put it this way, I know it sounds crazy, but it's like what I see in my spirit. It's like when you're getting rid of all, all the junk. I was in a meeting when I was a teenager and the preacher was preaching and he said, some of you got drugs and you got cigarettes and you got alcohol on you right now and you need to come to the altar and put it on the altar right now. And I thought, nobody's going to do that. But men... Young people started going forward, Brother Josh, and emptying in their pockets and putting stuff on the altars in the church. And 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 I remember he the preacher said, he said, Come on, bring your junk up here, put it on the altar. And more kids, more people started coming. And then he said, Moms and dads, you got junk too. Bring it up here and put it on the altar. And here come the parents bringing their and their stuff on the altar. And and he 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 told two of us to go get a garbage bag. He said, because this is all garbage. And it's all going in the garbage. And so they came and they were picking it up and throwing it in the garbage. And I hadn't thought about that until just now. As I said that, I felt like I saw Holy Ghost walking down the aisles just picking up junk. Throwing it in the bag. He said, that's what I come to do. I come to clean the church. I come to clean the house. I come to make things right. Because we want to host the presence of God. He wants to clean house. Wrong attitudes, prejudices. Got to get it out. Get it out. Unforgiveness. Ooh, ooh, there's a big one. Oh, big old pile of that right there. Unforgiveness. Get it out. Unbelief. Unbelief. Saying God can do anything, but in my situation, it's impossible. That's junk. Get it out. Get it out. He's cleaning house today. He's cleaning house today. I'm just telling you. How I many of you know hey, we need a spring cleaning every once in a while? You know? Some of you haven't had a spiritual yard sale in a long time. Time to get rid of that junk. You don't sell it. You don't give it to somebody else. You just throw it out. Take it to the spiritual dumpster. And let it go. I don't know where that came from. Psalms 139 says, search, search me, O God, 
and know my heart and test me and know my anxious thoughts see if there be any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting come on let's lift our hands and worship him right now come on holy spirit you are welcome here
And yet he saw the Lord in his glory. And he said, I am undone. I'm an unclean man among with unclean lips, live among an unclean people. I'm going to die. He was undone. I, I sense right now an anointing to pray for those who are away, that there be an awakening in their heart, a, a realization of the Holy Holy Spirit. Wake them in the night time, Lord. Arrest them right where they are, Lord God. Bring an awareness of the holiness and the purity and the power and the awesomeness of who you are. And in that awakening, in that measure of awakening, there will be a sudden awareness of their deficiency because of sin in their lives. And they will be brought back to remembrance the time when they used to be in the house of the Lord, when they used to lift His name in praise and not in profanity, but they will remember a time when God, you met their need and you brought them to you. Lord God, we pray for that awareness 
even now. And I want you to call their names out right now, right where you're at. Call their names out before God. God can hear every one of their names. And we say, Holy Spirit, go after them. Go after them. Let, let the hounds of heaven be on their heels. Let the conviction, God, of Holy Spirit be upon their hearts. Tear them up. Make them miserable. Lord, somebody might say that's not a very nice way to pray. It's better than them splitting hell wide open. God, we pray. God, take the joy out of their life. Take the joy out of sin. Take the joy out of it, Lord. Let them come to that place that I came to that night on that riverboat, Lord God, that houseboat on the Stockton River there. Lord, Father, I pray, take it away and let them hear the voice of Holy Spirit speaking to them, saying, this is not the way. You know how to go. You know where you need to go. You know where you need to go. Can, can I tell you? I know what time it is. I know it's late. This just came to mind. Just God will use an unsaved person to tell that loved one that they need to go home. I know my daughter, Tracy, when she was away from God and in a bad situation, she didn't know what to do. She knew what to do, but she didn't know what to do. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And her best friend who knew my wife and I and knew the relationship and our love for her, her best friend who was not even a Christian turned to my daughter and said you know what you need to do you need to call your mom and dad and take that baby of yours and you need to go home to them right now that's what you need to do and she listened to her friend and we got the call and the next day we moved her in with us yeah and about three, four weeks later on a Sunday morning when I gave an altar call in Eunice, Louisiana. And I, I started on this side of the room and I remember saying, if that's you, stand up, stand up, stand up. You ready? Give your life to Jesus. Start over, right? And all as I got about this far in the room and I heard a gasp come from this side of the room. And I could see real good over there, but I didn't want to look over there. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. I, I knew it. What, what, and I came around and there she was standing. She gave her life back to Jesus. She ain't never looked back. She's running camps right now for kids all across the state of Louisiana. But you know who told her to go home? Her lost friend who had seen Jesus and his love in our lives. Please do not condemn your loved ones who are away from God love them love them loving does not mean you condone I made that clear with her and my son both I said you can do what you want you're free to do it I don't condone it 
But nothing you can do will change the fact that I'm your father and I love you and nothing will change that. And you can't do anything to take the love of my heart for you away. But God used her friend to tell her to call us. And I felt led to tell you that because some of you are thinking, when, when are they going to come home? When God, God will use someone completely out of the circle, not even in the picture right now. He's, he's setting it up right now. I said he's setting it up. Holy Spirit setting it up. How many of you believe Holy Spirit can set that up right now? He's setting it up. It's going to happen. I'm telling you, get ready because they're coming home. I said they're coming home. They're coming home. Jesus, Father, we love you. Thank you for Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for Holy Spirit. Thank you for sending him to us. Thank you that he lives in us. He speaks to us. He leads us. He guides us. He directs us. He teaches us. He corrects us. He challenges us. God, give us ears to hear when he speaks. Give us a heart of obedience to obey. And give us faith to trust him with every step, every part of our lives. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Sing the chorus one more time. Holy, come on, one more time. Oh, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Oh, come flood this place and feel the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. special prayer for anything come and we'll pray for you otherwise god bless you